and welcome back to the reality of reality TV. It's been a while. I've missed you. I hope you've missed me. It's your girl Fleur East here. And this is where we get down and dirty to bring to you the truth of the reality TV world. So for the final time this series, let's do this. Hi, this is Kerry Katona, queen of the jungle, slab big brother runner-up, dancer on ice. I've done quite a few, haven't I? For this juicy episode, I caught up with Kerry Katona online. Now, Kerry almost needs no introduction. She's been on our reality TV screens for almost 20 years. And yeah, she may have won the jungle, come runner-up on Celebrity Brother or danced on ice. But what I really wanted to talk about was what it's like to start in your own reality TV show. I've got a face for radio, haven't I? Mm-hmm. Don't know why I go dead northern like that, because I don't really talk like that. <laughs> I talk quite no. Just a heads up, this episode contains references to drug use, issues surrounding mental health, suicide and nudity. How are you, Kerry? I'm really, really well, thank you, Fleur. How are you? I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, thank you. And by first, I've never met you. I know, we've never met. Here we are. We've got a lot in common as well, we? really we? do. Both been on I'm a Celebrity. Both been in the jungle. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's all we've got. But, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> we might have more by the end of this. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> so it all started in, in Atomic Kitten, obviously. And then... You went on to win I'm a Celebrity. You've then done like a dozen reality TV shows since then. <laughs> you know what reality TV has been like since the days where it was kind of early and it came onto the scene mm. before anybody knew how famous it would make them, before anybody took advantage of that medium. Yeah. So you've been very authentic through the medium. Why did you go on to reality TV in the first place? The money. I don't know I think it was just kind of like the next step to do and I think in the early days coming out of Atomic Kitten I went on to do Lease Women and then went on to do The Jungle and from winning The Jungle it was a whole new world it was a I've never experienced anything like it I, I don't don't remember actually watching any of reality shows before that apart from Big Brother which I also did as well and came on up in that one. Oh, and Dancer and Ice, yeah, I did that one as well. Oh, and Come Down With Me, yeah, I won that one as well. Um, <laughs> Not at all. My first reality show was with MTV and I wasn't in a really, I wasn't in a good place at all when I did that TV show. I had a couple of reality shows with MTV during, I call them my dark days. I was completely naive and completely unaware of the attention it was going to give me. And I think they kind of knew that as well. And the media took complete advantage of that because I, I think we all know Kerry Katona's ups and downs. And when I did the, the next reality show, which was for ITV, which was Kerry Katona in the next chapter, I really thrived doing that and being open and honest because we went from Kerry Katona doing drugs and doing this and doing that to me turning it all around and coming through it all. And now as I look back and me telling my story and showing that on television has helped so many individuals who have been in that situation and had nobody to look up to. Because of my platform I have, I'm able to say, look, I've been through addiction, I've been through bankruptcy, I've been through marriage and divorces. And I think that's been one of my main reasons of continuing to do reality shows. 
I've been in my local Morrison's shopping or whatever, and I've had this old dear come up to me in her 70s crying. Kerry, thank you for being open and honest. My daughter was going through addiction. She was going through a divorce. She was going to lose her kids. We watched your show, and you gave her so much hope. You saved her. That makes me think, well, that's my purpose. If my story and my down days and my darkness that's been shown on national television helps others overcome it, then that is what I'm here to do. Mm. To continue to do more shows and come back again. That that must have taken a lot for you to, to continue. Well, I think I also felt I had a point to prove as well at one point. And don't forget, I have five children as well. And by the time I was doing Caricatone in the next chapter with ITV, I'd just done a reality show before that called Caricatone Coming Clean, which was a video of me snorting cocaine on the news of the world and me being open and honest. It's a 90-minute special. And I sat my elder two girls down and I made them watch the reality show which shown the video of me snorting cocaine. I mean, I sat behind my kids and the tears were coming down, but I was also being filmed while the girls were watching the reality show to show that it doesn't matter how low you get in life, you can always pull it back. And that is something that I have done. Mm. You know what the thing is, there's no drama in my life anymore. So I, can, I sometimes think, I'm going to start making some kind of shit up now because not no one likes it about me anymore. It's all just plain and boring, schoolrooms and washing and ironing. I thought, I know what, I'll just get engaged just to get divorced so I can make another headline. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is, I actually did an interview the other day and one of the things I realised is my longest relationship I've ever had has been with the press. It's the one consistency I've had in my life, even from my own mother. I wouldn't know anything different, really. It's been that long. I mean, I was 17, I'm 40 now, and I'm I'm still dominating magazine covers. I'm quite proud of, in a way. You know, it's all BS half the stuff that they write in these bloody magazines at the time, but I still think, well, well, they're still interested. Well, this is the thing I wanted to ask you about, because... There's so many people that have been on reality TV, but there's not many that have done so much reality TV as much as you have. I mean, you're up there with like the likes of the Kardashians. Oh, there's more to come. There's more. I can't tell you anything, but there's so much more to come. You've been a crime watch. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what do you what do you think it is that has kept you around for so long? Ooh, um, I'm relatable. The way I look at this, say you're having a really crappy day and you go in the doctor's surgery, and you pick a magazine up and you read something about a celebrity, you know, and you read it and it's a terrible, oh, my God, she's going through bankruptcy. Oh, my God, she's, oh, the drugs and the divorces. That person puts that magazine down and goes, well, I feel great about myself. At least my life's not that bad. (laughs) I mean, I should technically be dead. The amount of crap that I shoved up my nose over the years, the amount of stuff that I've drank, you know, I I shouldn't be here, but I am here. And I turned it around and I like to think that I give other people hope. I asked you before we came together today to give me some realities from your experience in reality TV. And the first reality you shared is if you're going to do a reality show, once it's over, your life is completely exposed and there's no going back from it. So you need to make sure that you're able to deal with it. How do you know that you're able to deal with it before you get into it? 
Fame isn't always what it cracks up to be. When I became famous, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have Instagram, we had nothing like that. I mean, we had our press, our media training from Kate Thornton. We all sat round and Kate's going to us, oh, you know, the paparazzi are chasing out the street. We're going, oh my God, this is so exciting. You know, the, the reporters will knock on your nan's door and the, your nan will go, come on in for a cup of, oh, look at this naked picture when she was a baby. And to me, that sounded thrilling. I thought, oh my God, the paps are going to chase me. I'm really going to be famous. I can't believe it. You know, but I, I learned the hard way. And I think because it, when I became in Atomic Kitten after leaving Atomic Kitten, in England, I was hounded. I was really, really hounded. Half it was my own fault, I'm not going to lie. But it still doesn't justify the way the lens that the press went to, to the point that I felt suicidal. But thankfully, because of my childhood and being a kid in foster home and having to be so resilient and being strong and being the mother in my mind and my mum's relationship, I'm, I'm really resilient. Plus, I had my children as well. During this really bad hounding time of, of the papers, while I was doing my reality show. So the one thing that kept me going was not wanting my kids to feel worthless by taking my life. Whereas these young kids who are doing these reality shows now, a lot of them haven't got children and just get thrown in that, in this world, especially now with social media and Facebook and all that. See, I didn't have to deal with all that. I just had the news at will, which was probably even worse. <laughs> if you're gonna go into a reality show, Go in it with your eyes wide open. Don't yeah. don't look at it with tinted glasses on because it, it's not like that. It's not how you're going to think it's going to be. Be really aware that, you know, they're going to get in touch with your bestest mates from the age of four and, you know, your aunties, nephews, nieces, cousin from next door but two's house, you know. Everyone wants to look a bit of you and they all want to jump on the bandwagon. You mentioned earlier you feel like half of it was your fault. What, what do you mean by that? How is it your fault that you kind of had the press on you? Because of my actions I was making, you know, a lot of the things I was taking drugs, you know, that's not the press's fault. Well, it's really weird saying that because it was a catch-22, really. I didn't realise I had a problem. I was using drugs because I felt alone. It, it gave me the confidence I needed. It was my best friend. It was there for me. And everybody else was doing drugs. Even my own mum, I was doing drugs with my own mum. I didn't know any different. But the papers, what they like to do is they like to build you up. Like when I was in the jungle, yeah, queen of the jungle, Carrie's had a hard life, she's this, oh, we love you. Then me and Brian splits up. Especially when I moved back to England from Ireland, the, the English press, how they have access to you is crackers. I mean, there was like 30 paparazzis every day, sat outside my house in Wimsor, every day, hiding my bushes. It was mental. I don't get that now. Mm. It's just a good story to them. It's just a headline that's going to get them sales. But back in those days... It was absolute, absolutely crazy. And I think the choices I was making regards to the people I was in contact with, and I think it was like the best kept secret in Fleet Street that I was doing drugs, you know what I mean? It was just nobody had any evidence of it, really. The biggest reason I turned it around was my kids. You know, it's not always easy being Kerry Katona's child. And, you know, I've been clean nearly 13 years. And even today, my Heidi, she's 13. She'll go into school and the kids will go, your mum's a cokehead. I think, how do you know I was a cokehead 13 years ago? Wow. You're only 13 yourself. So obviously this stems from my kids are in a state school, so their parents then talk about me in front of their kids and then their kids then come in school. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I will not 
stop being who I am. I will not, obviously the drugs was a wrong path, but I'm not going to stop being who I am and I'm an extrovert. I like showing off. I'm loud. You hear me before you see me. But there just come a certain point where you've got to think, hang on a minute here, Kara. You know, think of your kids. You know, you carry on doing this. You're going to be dead. Put one more line up your nose and that's it. You're going to be dead, love. Plus my youngest daughter, her daddy died last year of a drug overdose. I don't want, I don't want that on my kids. That's something they're going to know for the rest of their lives. You know, so I've got to try and do the best I can to help protect them. But saying that on the next breath, they're in the industry. They've been born into this industry. It's given that ability to be really strong-willed. And I've taught them, which it took me a long time to realise, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks of you. And your failings don't define you as a person. It took me a long time to realise that. And I'm trying to teach my kids that now. You said that you've watched a few clips from reality shows or things that have been in the press with your children. Mm. There's almost like your whole life is is sitting there for them to watch. Like, Great, isn't it? Does it, does it scare you a little bit that they're going to be able to see all of that? Or are you kind of happy that, that they can see the journey? Well, I've been so open and honest with my kids. They know that I've done loads of drugs. They know I do OnlyFans. And I think that's the best way to be because if they don't hear it from me, they're going to hear it from somebody else. And the, the great thing is, you know, I've not got a book of photo albums stuck in my attic that I've got to go up and get. I've just got to go on the computer and Google and go on the archives and go, oh, look, that's when you were born. Oh, look at that there. <laughs> She's lucky. So every time I move, I don't have to take a load of photo books with me. <laughs> well, that is really cool, to be fair. I'm sure that we would have loved to be able to watch all our moments back in a lot of ways as well. Yeah. So you've done, obviously, the run-of-the-mill shows like I'm a Celebrity, like Big Brother. But then you got to the next level of reality where you had your own shows about your personal life. What was, like, the cool thing about having that? What was your favourite thing about having your own reality show? Oh, it's so weird asking. I don't actually know, you know. It's just, like, the norm for me. I think... The one thing I actually enjoy having when you've got a reality show, or like anybody flirt, is having a call sheet. You know, having that schedule and having a purpose to get up for, to go to work. And I call it work. It's just it's just a great... It, people say to me, Kerry, what's your job? I, go, I don't actually know what it is I do for a living, to be honest <laughs> with you. I enjoy it. You know, I love... I, I'm actually training to be a life coach at the minute, so I actually want to help others. Oh, wow. But the coolest thing about having a reality show is probably all the freebies. Oh, let's go to this spa for the weekend. You don't pay a penny. It's great. <laughs> it's like the coolest freebies then that you've had doing your own show. I've had so many. I've had holidays. And I'm so lucky because I never went on holiday. I never even went on a plane till I was 15 with my foster parents. And next thing you know, I'm traveling the world, going everywhere. You know, it, it's been amazing. I've had so much given, so I'm really lucky and really blessed. The majority of the stuff I get sent me, I do give to charity. Ah, see, that's incredible. Unless I really, really like it, I keep it. <laughs> or I wrap it up and give it to someone else for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> yes. It pays me a fortune. I mean, that's smart. That's just smart. It is, that's what I mean. I might be blonde, but hey, not just a pretty face, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so those are definitely some highlights of having your own reality show. But I guess on the flip side of that, We've had to see everything that you've been going through. Like you even mentioned, like when you were dealing with bipolar initially, we all got to watch those early stages and you dealing with it and going on to medication. I can't even watch that back. I think because my speech is so slur on majority of the MTV shows that I was doing, 
which I go back again, is down to my bipolar medication. I cannot even watch a clip because I just think, oh, I don't recognize that person. I want to reach in and pull her out and just give her a good hug and shake her and go, you're going to be all right, you know. I just, it's shocking, really. I can't can't even look at, I can't even look at Mark Croft on there, even the way I talk, my mannerisms. It's a different person. And what worries me about watching that show is that my kids can see that whenever they want. I can't even hide that from my kids. But I have to turn a spin on it, a good spin on it, and go, well, look, this is teaching how not to be. No, hopefully I've scared the shit out of my kids that will never touch a drug in their lives. Do you ever even think about it now? Do you kind of, at the time, you would have obviously been swept up in the glitz and the glamour of it all, and it was just something that you were really used to, but do you kind of think back now and think, ah, I feel like maybe I was taken advantage of, or do you feel like your situation was being used for entertainment in any way? Is there like a kind of dark side to it that that you've reflected on now? Yeah, 100%. I mean, my son, Max, was born on reality TV. I gave birth to Max on MTV. God, I'm crackers, me, you know, when I think about it. I had surgery, I had me implants to car, I had lipo, all for a bloody TV show. It was a freebie, I love a freebie, what can I say? I mean, at first, he kept saying to me, Kerry, right, we're going to do this reality show, we're going to call it Hole Again. Hmm, that's original. And what we're going to do is, we'll take your implants out, we'll give you an uplift, and we'll give you some lipo. I was like, I'm not bleeding Frankenstein, why are you not chopping me up? Then they just kept putting more knots on the check. And then I was at the place, I was at the, the school and the playground. I kept going to mums, they want to do this to me, they want to do that. And the mums were like, well, if you won't have it done, I'll have it done. I thought, oh my God, I didn't think about that. Oh, well, I'm not paying, they're paying me for me to get this, all this free surgery. So why not? I can't watch that one back either. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now it'd be completely different. Back then, I'm I'm a very trusting person. I think that's where I've gone wrong so many times in my life. I like I treat people the way I want to be treated. I'm I'm really gullible half the time. I'm quite naive as well, and you know I've been very vulnerable over the years. I do think a lot of the time people did take massive advantage of that, even up until recently, actually. Because I wasn't mentally stable, I'm not mentally stable now, Um, (laughs) I was so eager to be loved. I was such a pleaser. I wanted to entertain. I wanted to make people laugh. And I thought that's what I was doing. I wanted to make people cry. I wanted people to feel the emotion. And it's taken me a long, long time to actually go, I'm gone. Enough's enough. Can I have some more notes on the chat, please? I'm joking. No, but it's a good quality to have. And like you said, you, you learn from your experiences, but you shouldn't change your character. No. Do you think you'd ever do a reality TV show like that again? Like about you, about your life, like really focused on you? Yeah. You would? I don't know what else to do. <laughs> <laughs> How would you approach it differently this time? No, it's more about being a mum. It doesn't matter how many children. I've got nobody to ask. You know, my as much as I love my mum, she was a crap mother. I'm not going to lie, I've done a bloody good job with my kids. They are amazing children, I'm not just saying that, but they are really good. But for me, I think if I was to do a reality show now, it'd be along those kind of lines of just life in general, everyday problems, letting people know you're not on, on your own, that other people are going through it as well. 
It's like when my husband died last year, I went back on meds. I went back on antidepressants because I was really struggling. And I, I remember my manager at the time was going, hey, you shouldn't tell people that. I was like, but why not? Why should I not let people know that I'm struggling mentally because my baby's daddy's died? You know, should we let the public and society know that we should all just cope on our own and crack on with life? Because that's not real. I'm a, a mental health ambassador. I'm a massive campaigner for it. Reach out, talk to somebody. And another reality you shared with me is don't be somebody that you're not. I think after talking to you now and after just seeing you for years on TV, that is definitely something that you hold true because you've been so authentically yourself, so genuine. It's just part of your brand, but also what I'm feeling is part of your your just your natural character it really is <laughs> so many people I've spoken to on this podcast have said the same thing they've just been like be real be true to yourself but how do you get any privacy if you're living your life in front of everyone's eyes yeah there are any tips to actually having any privacy well yeah shut your front door and don't let anyone in <laughs> <laughs> When you don't want something on Instagram, don't put it on there. If you don't want people to know about your life, don't do a reality show. All the stuff I'm talking about right now is stuff that has happened. There's a lot of stuff in my life that a lot of people don't know about. For instance, everyone knows I'm engaged now, but nobody knew I had a boyfriend. You know, I kept it quiet, really, for two and a half years because you learn things, what to do and what not to do. Every time I was in a relationship, oh my God, I love him so much. Oh my God, we're going to have a baby. I've only known him for five minutes and then we're going to get married. I'm going to live happily ever after. And next thing you know, I'm getting divorced. <laughs> this time you can go on my Instagram. You'll see no more than 10 pictures over 10 years of me and Ryan on there. There is that lesson of learning what you can and what you can't talk about. If it was up to me, I'm, I'm like this. I won't shut up. I tell everybody everything. That's my problem. But I've had to teach myself to rein it in a bit. And you're probably thinking, she's not shut up. Yeah. Great. <laughs> right, I love it. Again, with the kids, you got to think about what they want. Like we went on holiday. Molly didn't want to be filmed on the YouTube when I got proposed to. Not a problem. That's your choice. You're 19 now, Molly. You can do whatever you want to do. You have a crazy life, Kerry. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's been crazy, but it's like I get up at five, do yoga, get the kids up, put mint shower, do breakfast, put a wash on, do school run, go Morrison's, do shopping, come home, do a podcast, pick the kids back up, do dinner. It's not really that exciting. It seems it because... Again, I'm sat here and I'll do my YouTube in a bit, but that is just one man with a, a little camera filming me. It's as much as I love you, Luke, it's not that thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> and the cameraman is there. Hello. But he's not filming. <laughs> but we're doing a Q&A for about mental health and things like that. So when that's done, I'll go pick the kids up, come home, and it's just a, a regular day, really. So you mentioned earlier that you went on to celeb big brother and you actually came runner up yeah it was a fix i should have won <laughs> exactly <laughs> but before that i remember earlier while you were doing your mtv reality shows you actually tried to go on celeb big brother before and they turned me down you have to as you know yourself you have to have a psychiatrist test a psychological test and you do all that and obviously because i had bipolar and i was on medication they, they wouldn't have me on there but even when I look back at that, that was the Mark Croft days. I still think maybe they had a point. You know, I wasn't in a good place then and maybe it was the right thing 
for them to do at the time. So there was also that duty of care, but sometimes I do think it can be a bit selfish in the industry of what they want and what they don't want. So you mean like they'll pick and choose? Well, back then, mental health wasn't really spoken about. Like, for instance, when I did this morning interview, and my speech was slur, the night before I did Celebrity Juice, and I finished at 12 o'clock at night, got back to the hotel, and I took my meds. And normally I'll take my meds at about 8 o'clock at night because they, they knock you out. And the next day I had to get up early for this morning, and my speech was still really slow. Now, when I used to do the Iceland adverts, my speech was slow then. So we used to have to wait for the afternoon for my speech to catch up with me. And I sat down and I thought I was fine. Didn't think anything of it because I was so used to it. Fern, she had this magazine, OK Magazine, around. And she's going, so it says here, Kerry, this is live. You know, you went to Marbella to do this photo shoot, which is lovely, lovely pictures, blah, blah, blah. Looks, But it says here... You were nicking shots around the pool. Have you gone from one addiction to another? I thought to myself, I'm 28 years of age on holiday. I had no children with me. And I was like, no, not at all. I was on holiday. And then Philip was like, you know, your speech is a bit slur, Kerry. And and I was like, oh, it's because of my meds. And I went, isn't it, Mark? And I panicked. I started panicking going, it's because of my medication. I have bipolar. No, I never revealed I had bipolar. I got diagnosed in 2005, and that interview was in 2008. And my psychiatrist at the primary who diagnosed me with bipolar said to me, Kerry, let the world know you've had a drug problem, let them know you've drank too much, but don't tell them you've got mental health issues because they won't understand it. And not once did Philip Hawthorne say to me, Kerry, what's bipolar and what's the medication you want? Nothing. Sometimes don't believe don't believe anything you read for a start and only believe half of the stuff that you see on TV. And I completely get it, but what annoys me was how it was dealt with. Now, if I went on this morning in a wheelchair and I had a limb missing and I had burns on my face and I was slurring my speech people would automatically go because they can see me in a wheelchair they'd go oh god love her god oh bless her oh what how sad is that but because I look perfectly healthy I look perfectly fit and I'm just sat normal and my speech is slur nobody can see what's going on on here or the medication that I'm on but they automatically go yeah right whatever next thing Sherry Kerry pissed up Kerry blah 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 you know and I like to think we've moved on Society-wise, we're dealing with mental health now. But back then, it was it ruined my career, really. I've, you know, everyone, there's a meme going around on TikTok with my voice and people doing the voiceover from this morning. Oh, do you remember when Kerry? Yeah, I even did it myself. I think it was Gemma Lucy. I've never met the girl. was like, the title was, um, do you remember when Kerry Katora was off a knot on this morning? And the TikTok is my voice, and she's miming to my voice, so I went to my Molly. No. Fill me. And no. I did exactly the same to my voice. I thought, if you can't beat him, join him. No, yeah. Kerry. <laughs> you completely own it. Well, you've got to have it, yeah. It's one, that's another thing about reality shows. If you're going to make mistakes and you're going to mess up, own it. But that's crazy. How does that make you feel that, like, that moment, which now you look back on and go, oh, my goodness. Like you said, you want to reach into the screen and grab that person. How does how did it make you feel that that's just now part of culture? I know it's mad, isn't it? <laughs> it was like I think my interview was the number one worst TV interview ever. But then obviously Prince Andrew did his interview, but he knocked me off the hotspot. <laughs> now your defining moment. Oh God, which one's this now? Bloody hell! Is winning, I'm a celebrity. Yeah, yeah. 
Did it, did it, did it, was it what you expected in there? Was it? No, I just thought I was going to get drunk every day. That's <laughs> what I thought, because I didn't see on the last series, so I just thought, and if I get voted out, go on the piss with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> it looked very early on like you, were, you, you couldn't take any more and you were going to go, and you came down to do that first Bush Tucker trial with us, and we didn't think you were going to last much longer after that. No. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I must have had my drinks, bite. <laughs> <laughs> that, that didn't happen. And then... I, I, I thought I, I'd lost... I didn't think I'd... I didn't think I'd... I don't... I, I didn't think... <laughs> you can't... You can't... Spit it out, woman! <laughs> I didn't think I'd win. I didn't think I'd come this far. I certainly didn't think I'd win. Not after yesterday when I cocked up. And Jenny done that. She's a queen to me. It's funny because I spoke to Harry Redknapp, spoke to Vicky Patterson, and they both had the exact same moment. So we've heard kind of like the general feelings of why it was such an amazing moment and a turning point for both of them. But for you in particular, why do you think it was such a defining moment? Was it kind of because everything then changed completely for you after that. In that moment, you were kind of just still fresh. You were like, oh, this cute Kerry. I know the answer. For me, it was a feeling of love and a feeling of wanting from the public, which is something I craved my whole life. So the fact of, I think, again, it stems to my childhood, being in foster home, not being wanted by my mother, you know, being this unloved person to then be voted by all these people. For me, it was like, oh, oh my God, I'm so and that's quite sad in a way, but that's how it felt. It was like, you know, from feeling unwanted to feeling worthless. And it wasn't the work afterwards. It was, I think for me, it was the attention, you know, and the compliments. Oh, you did so well. Oh, you were so funny. Oh, you made me cry. Do you think you still feel like that now? Or do you think you're kind of over that? I'm over that now. I mean, there's always going to be, I mean, I was only, I was only 23 when I won the jungle, you know, and I was so, I was still learning who I was as a person. And I think as well at the time, because you speak about my childhood, it was so very matter of fact. It was just what I used to say was just normal for me. Oh yeah, my mum was stabbed and I got put in foster and blah, blah. It was so, but when I spoke about it publicly, I don't, I don't think I realised the effect that it had on others. And I think that when it all changed during the MTV reality show was how messed up I was, that I felt I was losing all that, that I think that also affected me mentally as well. You won't get more honest than me, Fleur, I tell you. <laughs> I don't think I will. Where do you think Kerry Katona would be without reality TV? Oh, <sighs> working at Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> I think it saved me. If I'm brutally honest, if I look at how where I should be right now, I don't know, I'll probably be on the dole or not that there's anything wrong with that, but I don't think I'd be doing much with my life, to be honest. But I don't think there was any other path I was going to go down. My dream, I, al I always knew I was going to be famous from a really, really young age. I always knew it. Sounds so silly, but I did. But my dream, which is why I left Atomic Kitten, I didn't enjoy the fame. Hated it. Hated every minute of it. I didn't like how it changed the girls, how it changed other people. Out of the three of us, it was all Kerry Katona. You know, the attention was always on me. I, I, I get that, but I didn't enjoy it. And that wasn't my fault. I didn't ask for that attention. And then obviously dating Brian, it was all Kerry and Brian, Kerry and Brian. And it was just, I didn't enjoy it. I fell pregnant and I just wanted to be a mum and a wife. That was all I ever wanted to be. It was a mum and a wife. And I kept trying to create that. And every time it fell apart, I just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. 
So I've lived and learned. So I'm getting married again. Yes, exactly. Speaking of getting married, I mean, let's move on to the future. You've mentioned OnlyFans a couple of times. We need to just explain what is OnlyFans because a lot of people will just think, oh, it's that naughty site. OnlyFans is a, a paid website that a lot of people do sexy pictures on there. The years x-rated stuff on there but you can also do only fans where you could go on there for and people can just subscribe to listen to a podcast for instance or um private messages to them and listen to your new music and things like that but me can't sing can't cook but i've got great boobs so i'm gonna make the most of it <laughs> god gives us talent sometimes and mine came on my chest <laughs> With help. (laughs) (laughs) So it's basically like a platform. It's a monthly subscription, but you can share whatever you choose to share on there. Yeah, or as little as you want to share. But yeah, it's great. I love it. You know, I started off as a pastry model and I was a lap dancer and atomic kitten. At the start of atomic kitten, just to pay the bills, a fully nude lap dancer. It's what I used to do. I'm I'm one of these, I'm I'm an extrovert. I'm open and honest. You know, I'll go on the beach with my kids and I'll sunbathe topless. Things that don't bother me, and I've brought my kids up in the world, that they're also the same. With the OnlyFans, and now you've got your YouTube, you're almost like in a stage of your life where I feel like you're you're more in control because with the OnlyFans, you share what you content. Your YouTube's the same. Yeah. Do you feel like that now? Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, when we went into lockdown, I was supposed to do a photo shoot with the son, a nude photo shoot, you no know, classy, covering yourself up, and it was like for a couple of grand, whatever it was. And obviously we all went into lockdown, we couldn't do it. And like everybody else, I was struggling, couldn't pay me rent, had to sell my jukebox because like anybody else, I couldn't afford to do anything because everyone, no one was working. I've got four kids living at home. So I said to me, fiance, I went, should we do only fans? And it turned my life around. And I'm not doing anything that I've not already done. You know, you've only got to type in Kerikatona Topless and you'll see pictures of me everywhere. So Mm. why should I allow somebody else to make the money off that when I can do it myself? I'm in control of my body. I'm in control who can see it. A manager doing this or a manager doing I'm doing it. It's all me. I'm in control of everything. And I feel really empowered for it. Yes, after all the years of being on other shows and having to see the edit at the end of it all and just kind of like being led, like you said, for all those years, now you can actually say, no, this is the edit, this is what I'm sharing, this is what I'm not sharing. Even doing the YouTube channel and things like that, I've seen things, oh, take that out. No, that don't look good, take it out. And that's not a bad (laughs) thing sometimes. It's also I've got to try and keep me safe as well because I've come so far, I don't want to take a step back either. But I'm not saying I'm perfect. There will be uh, bumps along the road, but it just depends on how I deal with that now. So, like, being in control of an edit on YouTube channel is amazing. Being in control of my OnlyFans pictures is unbelievable. It's taken me to get to 40 to be in control of my life. Wow. Honestly, Kerry, it's been an absolute honour talking to you. And I could not have thought of a better person for my final episode Aww. of reality of reality tv i mean you're as real <laughs> as it gets yeah I, well apart from your boobs and teeth yeah <laughs> <laughs> in fact i come in a box in the morning you just put me together <laughs> like that <laughs> honestly kerry thank you thank you so much thank, thank you, you for having me it's been lovely wow we just when i thought i couldn't get any more real with you It's been my mission on this show to bring you the good, the bad, the ugly, the light and the dark. And didn't we do that with Kerry? 
I just love how she's turned it around. And now she's using her experience to help others. I mean, what a woman. So that was the last episode in this series of the reality of reality TV. We've explored so much and I've uncovered so many truths. I think my biggest takeaway is you may not be able to control the edit, what other people think of you, but ultimately you can control how you react to it. What surprised you the most about reality TV? Let us know on socials using the hashtag reality of reality TV. And whilst you're there, make sure you big up the podcast too. Remember, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Despite everything I found out about reality TV shows, I've done another one. Don't Rock the Boat is coming to ITV this autumn. And you can hear me every morning on Hits Radio Breakfast from 6am. You've heard it all on the reality of reality TV. Well, most of it but we've only just scratched the surface. I hope to see you again soon. Until then, keep it real. Thanks for listening. Listening.